The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are at in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. I have a very good friend on here. Uh, today, we call him, you know, Doc John, but John Mossy. What I like to do, Jonathan, I don't know if you like John, but anyway. Um, John works. I like John works or Doc John. We love to call him Doc John anyway. Yeah, that works. <laughs> so, Doc John, Doc. Uh, what I like to do is have my guests introduce themselves and actually tell the uh, audience, my audience, like what they do, um, and who you are and what it is you do exactly, and then we're gonna rock and roll. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, John Mossy here, also known as Doc John, and uh, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist here in the state of Florida, and also a, a life coach. And uh, I work uh, primarily with men, but work with some women. Uh, my main niche is confidence and helping. Uh, helping people develop better confidence because uh, that's one of the most uh, limiting factors in people getting what they want is, you know, their, their belief in themselves. And, uh, you know, so confidence is, is one of the most important things going forward and um, also doing some men's retreats as well. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I've been able to enjoy a nice little niche of uh, combining my clinical experience and training with uh, some life experiences as well. And, to be able to offer a, a different kind of coaching based upon both having that clinical training and the life experience. So really enjoying uh, that, that niche that I've fallen into and uh, enjoy, uh, you know, meeting with you, you know, Max, and people like you and uh, helping a lot of people because, uh, you know, the world needs this these days. So we need to uh, help as many people as we can and uh, get a good mindset going forward because it's, it's easy to get uh, caught up and um, there's a lot of negativity out there and it's easy to feed into it if you're not careful. So, we got to be able to inject a lot of positivity in the world and uh, be able to cope with the world, you know, because, you know, we can't expect to have an easy life. We can only expect to be strong in the midst of it. Right. And and I'm going to agree with you. So thank God for, for gentlemen like you, Doc John, that um, not only have that clinical background, but also, you know, life experience and stuff. Because, I mean, you can, I don't know what you think or believe, but the, the world today, it seems like there's a lot of people that lack any type of confidence, right? If you go out into the world and I mean, you see it firsthand. I don't know if it's just the nature of what's going on in the world today or what it's a lot different from when you and I were younger, right? We were taught to go out and do our thing. And right. We, we found our way. And it's sometimes right. like I see 
where people are like afraid to death to even leave their homes, right? right? So in your experience, like, okay, first let's start with you personally. Like what led you, right, to go back to school or in your case, like we talked about earlier, stay in school and really learn how to help people, right? Because you help, I know you've helped veterans You and like you said, you have men's retreats. So what really got you into this? What were some of the challenges you experienced where you said, I'm going to learn how to do this so I can help people. Well, I, I think, uh, um, you know, I came from a family where there was a lot of, a uh, lot of depression and anxiety. And, uh, so, you know, I, I saw that a lot all the time, you know, growing up and, uh, you know, it was, it was very easy to become fearful and always be worried about what, what could go wrong. And, you know, eventually you start to internalize some of that. And then also, you know, I didn't have a lot of confidence. I was, I was a little more, people will say they're surprised <laughs> when I tell them I'm shy you know, because um, I don't portray that right now. But, uh, you know, they're, they're like, oh, you were actually shy. And yeah, I was I was shy. I was, you know, afraid to speak up and uh, kind of the nerdy person, kind of the person that everybody, uh, you know, all the girls would put in the friend zone and everything else. And so um, just someone that didn't have a lot of, you know, a lot of confidence going forward. And so, um, you know, it was interesting because I was a senior in high school and i actually was looking for some courses to take at the local college i'd taken all the requirements to graduate and so you know basically we had nine class periods in the day and everything i had to take to graduate i was finishing in the first three periods of the day so i had the whole rest of the day you know open instead of sitting there in you know five or six study halls to end the day i decided to go to the local university state university of new york in plattsburgh and take a couple of college courses and so one of the ones that fit my schedule was psychology 101 and when you take a course like that it's 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 really interesting because you see there's psychology is everywhere and you see it in advertising you see it in relationships you see it in sports i mean anything and everything that you do instruction manuals there's psychology interwoven you know it's it's everywhere and so you see all these phenomena that you you probably noticed in the past that you never really stopped to think about and then when they point out to you why it happens and how it all works it's just it's very interesting because then you can you can use that going forward and so it was one of those things where it's like okay this is something i really enjoy i don't want some people pick majors because their parents want them to do it or because you know they right. think they should do it or because they think oh this is going to make me a lot of money and so they grind through it even though it's kind of miserable not very interesting or very boring but this stuff was interesting for me like this is stuff like you know even i'd be sitting home in summers you know sitting by the pool or sitting on the couch and i would read this stuff just for fun for enjoyment and so you know when you're doing this in your spare time because it's enjoyable and you can actually make a career out of it then that's how you know you've you're onto something right and so um you know and i i always wanted to be someone who who could help people and so if it's something that you you know you know people would like to come to me and kind of lean on me so it's when you're when you kind of have that natural instinct to want to help people and something that you're good at and something that interests you at the same time that's when you know you found your sweet spot right and, and you know because um and I don't have to tell you, right? So you either get the people, right? Or like you said, they want to lean on you. They want your advice, right? Because they know and you're and you're studying this stuff. Or you get the people like where you, you're, you don't even mean to do it. But well, for instance, my kids, they'd be like, dad, <laughs> do not treat me like one of your clients. <laughs> I, you're not my counselor, right? You don't even realize you're doing it. Because I agree with what you said, right? That when I was studying psychology, when I went back for my bachelor's, I just loved studying the mind and why we do certain things and how some things are automatic how some things are you know taught to us and 
Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, because you and I are in that helping field and, and it's it just right. right. It's not for everybody. Right. Because um, some people just don't have the patience. No, definitely to do not. It. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's <laughs> but like there are challenges with that, too. Don't you think like, for instance, when you're studying that stuff and you start you ever start uh like analyzing yourself and going oh man i need to change this all right or oh of wow. course yeah I, I think that happens anytime <laughs> you're studying I, I think it happens to medical students i think it happens to mental health practitioners i mean you you know sometimes you have too much knowledge especially if you're reading it and not bouncing it off the right <laughs> excuse me uh, faculty members or experts around to kind of set you straight and clarify some things and <laughs> You, you read everything and like oh, that sounds like me that sounds like me and you're reading through the dsm it's got all the uh you know the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders you know which has come you know it's, it's the big book of psychiatry and psychology and yep. you start reading through some of those symptoms and like oh that's kind of me sleep disturbance uh appetite you know mood swings uh, oh gosh i you know before long you you've got every disorder every mood and psychotic disorder and anxiety right. disorder and everything else and you, you know, you, you can start thinking that uh, things are a little off kilter if you're not careful, but everything's relative and you, you got to realize that, you know, there's frequency and intensity and duration involved. So just because you might have had these things before doesn't mean that you have some disorder. And, you know, and and, uh, and the other thing is, is, you know, people get caught up in labels and, you know, diagnoses have their part because they guide treatment, but you can't get too caught up in labels and people too often they over identify with things and you over identify with having this disorder being bipolar being schizophrenic or being right. depressed or being someone with an anxiety disorder or being a victim or being even being a survivor who you over identify with it and that becomes your whole all-encompassing identity and that's all that's you think of yourself as and you're so much more than that and that's what you know anybody who's listening i want people to remember that it's like you're so much more than whatever you know you've been through or if you do have a mental disorder that you've been diagnosed with you're more than that diagnosis that might be something that's you know that's been given to help guide your treatment but that's not who you are you know what it's, doc john i'm so glad you brought that up right because there is a lot of people out there right that get cut up caught up in the labels I, I i'm i'm manic depressive or i'm bipolar or i am depression you know and um it's like certain people you don't tell to go to webmd and go find out what because you know they're a hypochondriac and they're going to come back to you and go you know what i've got cancer i'm going to die like yep. really that's that's not what i told you to do but um but i'm <laughs> glad you brought that up because i'd like to ask you like some of the challenges as a practitioner as a, as a clinical psychologist like what are some of the biggest challenges you have faced in your practice when it when you're trying to tell someone or coach them or you know or treat them that like look you're you're not this diagnosis is just to give us a framework of how to treat it and and help you get better but you're not you know it okay let me give you an example my son he had the stroke right he uh, i know he's trying you know i tell him he's better than what he thinks he is right and he goes and he comes back to me like i'm a stroke because he doesn't know like i've had a stroke but he'll say i'm a stroke i'm like no you're not you know so what are some of the challenges that you've had in your your career and, and in your practice of people that come to you and say nope i mean i don't care what you tell me but they, they you know you walk out of they walk out of your office and you're just scratching your head like yep they're they're gonna go out there thinking that's that's who they are how do you go how do you get to how do you help them get through that is what i really want to get at 
and that that can be very frustrating because um, you know pe people come in and you know they've had sometimes many years of thinking of themselves in a certain way and you know if you've had you know, maybe 20 years 30 years of thinking of yourself a certain way you know it's not going to get done overnight it's not necessarily going to take 20 or 30 years to undo it right but um it doesn't get un done overnight i mean it really has to be a multi-pronged approach uh i, th I think it's got to be a combination of we, we have to restructure our thoughts you, you know and break down and, and really get at somebody's core beliefs and you know when i say core beliefs and that's our that's our thought patterns it's our internal dialogue it's what are you saying to yourself about you what are you saying to yourself about the world what are you saying about the future you know when we have those surface thoughts that come to our mind when an event happens the events happen then we have a thought about the event then we feel a certain way the events don't make us feel a certain way it's our thought about the event you know it's an abc right. model kind of thing and then mm -hmm. the feeling of course you know dictates um how you're going to act um but you know underneath those surface thoughts you know there's usually common themes that start to form and that's that's our core beliefs and so it's really a matter of getting at and accessing those core beliefs and some of those core beliefs have been present since you know childhood or you know well-meaning people parents teachers they they have the best of intentions in mind but they sometimes put little ideas in your mind that you know kind of close off any other possibilities to you like debbie ford and the dark side of the light chasers talks about how we get born into these big mansions the the analogy and that you know as we go through life more and more of these rooms to the mansion get closed off to us and unnecessarily you know and some of those right. rooms could be very useful to us but because of what people tell us that you know they might tell us and say oh well my well-meaning parent might say well you're not college material or a teacher might say you know college isn't for people like you or you're not athletic enough or you're not good enough for this you know maybe you need to go to this you know to this field or this you know and they 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 push you down they fit right. you into the box and so you know you it, sometimes you need to sit back and all those long-standing core beliefs that you've had that you've accepted as truth as gospel you know you, as a therapist you need to really sit them down and and challenge them because a lot of these people have never had those core beliefs challenged i mean they've just they viewed them as absolute truths and it's a matter of really being you know in cognitive therapy they say be a good empiricist treat it like a good scientist you know it, you know these these thoughts that you have in your mind they're they're theories they're not absolute facts they're theories you got to treat them like unproven theories and be like a good scientist go out and collect evidence go out to collect data and see if it's really true or not right and then you send people out on behavioral experiments go find out okay well i feel like i failed everything i failed every test this week you know i'm gonna fail out of college all right well go out and collect some data go talk to your professors you know just because you failed that one test or you failed in the class how's your class participation you know most of the time people anchor on one piece of data or one piece of information they jump to conclusions they catastrophize and oftentimes when you stop and realize that you know what it's not as bad as you think you go and you collect the data and you realize there's a much bigger picture right and so you have to treat like a good empiricist <laughs> and then so i think it's it's partially challenging the thoughts and then it's partially changing your behaviors too because if you want to feel more confident about things um if you don't want to you know identify as being a certain thing then um i, I think you have to ask people okay well what does you know the, the ideal version of yourself what do they look like do some guided imagery right you know, what do they look you know use all five senses what do they look like what do they sound like how do they feel 
Um, what is there, you know, you're standing next to him, you know, at a party, you know, and you, you see your ideal version of you standing next to you, you know, how do they look? What does their hair look like? How does their body look? What's their posture? What are they doing? Who are they talking to? And so getting that visualization and then from that, you know, what do you, what is the script that you have to act out of a person that is, that is happy, that is successful? And what are the things that you have to do each day to make yourself feel successful? Because confidence is memory of past successes. So what goals are you going to set for yourself each day where you call your shot out, say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then you follow through and do them. And when you do what you say you're going to do enough times over and over and over again, those are all deposits in the confidence bank. And then when you do that, you know, and that's what happened for me back in 2019. All the things I always said I was going to do someday, which is why I titled my book Fuck Someday, because <laughs> it was just one of those things where, you know, I, I was that guy who was always, you know, sitting around. Oh, someday we're going to do this, especially if I was sitting around with friends and there might have been some liquid courage involved where people get real grandiose over a couple of beers and <laughs> someday I'm going to do this. We're going to run this town. You know, all the shit that you talk when you're, you have liquid courage and, uh, you know, reality days <laughs> that you got a temporary escape. And, but then you wake up the next day and you're still doing the same things over and over again and nothing changes. And so right. all those some days are just where, where your dreams go to die. So yeah, you have to have, you have to do some different things in your behavior each day, make those 1% shifts, set the goals, even small goals. You know, right off the bat, that's why the morning routines are so important because you do certain things where you're reading, you're you're exercising, you're doing these things for yourself. And when you accomplish things right off the bat, that's giving you confidence. That's priming you for your day. Right. And so I, I think the combination of restructuring your thoughts and then having certain behaviors, certain routines that you do over the course of the day, that can help you to undo that story and that programming, you know, over identifying with who you are. Right. Or who you thought you were. Absolutely. You know, I like what you said, uh, Doc John, and what came to mind for me, right? And and what I've learned um, in going to school, right? And especially where, where you're at, at your level, right? Or even at mine, when I was becoming a certified counselor, right? Did they teach you? They What I was taught was like a good therapist has a therapist, right? And even in school, they would have us go, right? So we could share about the experience, and, and what they were trying to get is what did we learn about ourselves, right? In that process of whether it's therapy or life coaching or, or whatever it is. Um, what did you learn about yourself when you were going through school? Cause you went straight from high school till you were done. So everybody, yeah. Dr. John, like when he puts his mind to something, let me tell you, he doesn't stop until he gets finished, but. But that's a lot of schooling, right? And like you said, right, we have our moments where we get a little bit of liquid courage. I'm going to be president of the world and I'm going to tell everybody what to do and blah, 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 right? But but there's those times where like, you know, where you're at, you got to study and there's a lot of papers to write and, and there's a lot of research you have to do. Did you find that that helped? Did they tell you that in school where they said, hey, John, I want you to go find a therapist and go go through some therapy, right? And and did that make sense or did that did that happen for you? They actually didn't require that in my program. And, and that but that is a common thing in a lot of clinical programs, especially you know, at the start, they they do have you go through therapy as part of your uh as part of your experience and as a requirement. They did not have us do that, but I mean there were some def there were definitely some lessons along the way. And 
you know, in, in later life in thirties ended up, you know, going to therapy for various things, whether it's marriage or, you know, right. some situational, you know, adjustment disorder kind of stuff. And, but, uh, you know, probably the greatest insights I got started about you know, maybe four years ago when, um, it wasn't necessarily therapy. It was more because, you know, some, sometimes when you're a therapist in the traditional psychology sense, like you go to somebody else and you can kind of tell what they're doing and, um, you, you couldn't see where it's going. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was hard for me to, to really do that. But then, you know, in 2019, when I got into the more of the personal development sphere and a lot of the people out there that were coaches, they have totally different approaches. You know, they're not, uh, they're not doing the nice, you know, touchy feely Rogerian, you know, giving you this <laughs> unconditional, you know, this warmth and this genuous and genuineness and the uh, unconditional positive regard and that you're right. just naturally going to self-actualize to the best version of yourself. And, you know, <laughs> I, I think for the longest time into probably my early 40s, you know, I, in my mind, I believed that bullshit and that I was just going to naturally self-actualize and you're not going to naturally do anything unless you do some work and do something different. Right. And you have to put in, you know, you have to put in some work and put in some effort. And so, you know, 2019, I started, you know, I, I joined, I knew something had to change and heard someone speaking a lot of truth, somebody that I normally wouldn't have followed, uh, somebody who I would have thought before looked crazed and, you know, someone with crazy eyes and a big old beard and uh would have thought this guy was a deranged lunatic but then when the words came out of his mouth i'm like oh shit, that makes a whole lot of sense what he's saying right. you know and it's just unfortunately you know sometimes people like him are the silent majority in terms of you know speaking the true common sense and you know and one of the biggest lessons that i heard from that was that uh excuses are lies they're lies that we tell ourselves. They're lies that we tell everybody else for why we're not doing things. And I realized I gave a whole fuck ton of excuses for why I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. You know, I wasn't going to explain my practice because, you know, I was worried about, uh, you know, nobody else would uh, it, treat my practice with the same care that I would. Um, you know, I wasn't losing weight. I was a little bit overweight, you know, because, oh, it was my genetics or, you know, I didn't have time or just, you know whatever bullshit excuses out there, you know, right. and all those excuses are just, you know, you don't have time. It's code for, it wasn't important enough to me. You just, you just find a way. So I just, I got punched in the truth in the face, you know, with some truths about, you know, the excuses that I was making, you know, and just the standards that I had. I mean, even, even in my career, I got to the point where it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, during the day I'm seeing folks in the in the nursing home and it's, it's comfortable, it's paying the bills, it's, you know, it's doing something really noble, helping elderly folks cope with end of life issues and depression and whatever else is going on. But, right. you know, there wasn't much sense for advancement. And then I'm like, do I really want to keep doing this? And then I was like, oh, well, maybe the thought of going back to school. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm in my forties. I spent all my twenties in school. You know, the thought of going back to school was just unheard of. And then, you know, but. Um, being around people who in the coaching sphere, I realized they're, you know, in the online world and everything else, there's a whole other pe people that I could help outside of, you know, outside of the nursing homes here in Tampa Bay, Florida. And so when you, you see in the coaching sphere, you coach people of all over the world. And so just all of those limits that I thought were present, I realized were non-existent and that there, there were a lot of people that needed to hear the message and the knowledge that I could offer. So um, but yeah, I, I think, I think for me, it was, 
It was a matter of stopping the excuses. It was realizing that your value, every person has value. And even the things that you don't like about yourself are the things that actually qualify you the most to help somebody else. And, you know, in the coaching sphere, you can share your message. As a, as a psychologist, they tell you, you know, don't share too much. Don't self-disclose too much. You got to keep that boundary. You got to be professional and talk about them. Well, fuck that. In coaching, you can share your personal experience because that's the thing that helps people the most. And that takes I, down the barrier. I cannot agree with you more, right? And and everybody, I want you to listen to this, right? He's Doc John is so spot on here, right? Because I and he'll tell you, right? Um, when he talks about that Rogerian, right? That it's a theory out there from Carl Rogers that everybody's basically good and you'll self-actualize and right. It I get it. I get why he was like that, right? And but like you. Uh, until three years ago, when I realized that talking about my past and my childhood all the time is not going to make me a better person or overcome some of those excuses. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. I think it had just instilled those excuses any, even more so, if that makes sense, right? Because I'm reliving right. it and I'm telling myself it's okay. Because this therapist said, oh, your poor baby over here. This is what happened when you were a kid. And, uh, and you're just accepting it. And yeah, and nothing yeah. changes. Right. So this is why everybody, this is why I hang out with guys like Doc John, right? Because they will tell me the truth and go, oh, Max, you know what? Fuck those excuses. Here's how you're going to change. And he said something that I hope you all heard. You have to do a little work, right? And, and I'm going to mention someone that we know he's a little bit on the extreme side, but David Goggins, right? He's a, He's an extreme version of it, but that's a guy who sure. went from 300 plus pounds to a ripped up Navy SEAL who runs 100, pl 100 mile plus running races all the time now, right? And what I'm getting at here, everybody, is listen to what Doc John is saying, right? It, it, therapy is good, I, and I'm not saying it's bad, right? Because sometimes we have to revisit yeah, so we can change that path. Right. But You what, need to get insights into it, absolutely. Right. And but what I agree with Doc John is, is that, OK, we get the insight. Now, what work do we have to do to change how we change the trajectory of our life? Are we going to stay average or do we want to become better every day? So share with the audience, like some of the things you do with, say, your clients or, you know, in your in your coaching to get them off their butt. Because sometimes, as you know, Doc John, it's hard to get someone off their butt when they've been used to it for so long. I was guilty, right? I was one of those guys. I needed that swift kick in the butt. Oh, but for me, you know, and um, I, I had the honor of being on Doc John's podcast, Redemption Road, right? And we talked about it. But thank God I had a combination of a sponsor who was like, he knew how to do the Yoda mind tricks that got me, right? Because what does Yoda say? Mm -hmm. There is do or do not. There is no try. Right. And that's how exactly. my sponsor would do it and my mentors and how my friends like Doc John are like, you're not going to try to do something. You're either going to do it or you're not. So share with the audience, Doc, like how you get people up and moving into action. Well, I mean, I've got six pillars of confidence in the program that, that I run. And so the first is goal setting, because you have to have you have to be able to measure if you're moving the needle or not. I mean, if you don't have goals, if you don't have timestamps on things and things are just they're, they're pipe dreams and they're just going to stay dreams. So unless you get specifics and you, you get it broken down, yes, this is where we want to be in five years and 10 years. OK, where do we want to be in a year? 
you know, in six months, you know, one month in, in a week, and, and you got to break it down to what you're going to, you know, what's your daily goals. You got to break it down into smaller pieces. Otherwise, you're going to procrastinate because one of the biggest problems with procrastination, A, it's well known that it's perfection, but B, the other reason people procrastinate is they look at the big thing that they want and they see there is a long chain of behaviors to get to where you want to be. For example, if you need to do a term paper in college and you know it's that big 15, 20 page paper that's due at the end of the semester and why do you procrastinate on it? Because you can't go home this, this afternoon and crank it out all in one swoop. You know, you have to go out, you have to get your topic, you have to go online and you got to look for the articles. And then back in the day, we had to go to the library and, you know, go find them and photocopy them or send away by interlibrary loan just to get your hands on the articles. You have to read them, understand them, type them into the computer, organize it, you know, revise, edit, print, you know, put a fancy cover on it. I mean, a whole long chain of behaviors that you have to do. And, and with your big goals, if, if they're big enough, there's a long chain of behaviors involved. And you look at that at the outset and you see all these different steps and hours and everything else. And it's overwhelming. And you're like, fuck, that's a lot. I don't want to do that. And so you <laughs> run away from it. And that's where the avoidance kicks in. That's where we break it down into the smaller pieces because you, you've, it's like, okay, well, what do I have to do for today? Win the day in front of you. What is my critical task for the day? What are my five critical tasks that I'm going to do? And how I'm going to win that. And, and you make it manageable. Maybe, maybe you get the task done by noon. Maybe it takes you until nine at night, but you keep going until you get those tasks finished. And then, right. so you got to have goals, got to be time specific. I mean, you have to have a deadline for when you're going to get done. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. And right. your goals have to be relevant to what your you know, big picture you want to accomplish because if they're not relevant, if they're not moving the needle, um, the goal isn't to stay busy. You know, the goal is to be spending your time on things that are actually going to get you closer to where you need to be. And, you know, a lot of times the, you know, it's like the 2080 rule, the things we do 20% of the time are the things that get 80% of our results or our outcomes. So you really have to be very careful and pinpoint, okay, what is the behavior I'm doing? And, you know, it just comes down to being intentional, you know, right. am I being intentional with how I'm spending my time or am, am I just trying to stay busy? Am I just turning the crank? Right, and so I, I think that's 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 very important. So that you know, goal setting is very important. Like we talked about, changing the self talk, changing that internal narrative. That's important. The habits. That's that, that's a big one. Is you know breaking it down into the habits, and you know, and, and this is the hard part initially because you know people are used to doing things a certain way, but when there's change, you know, they say that the sweet spot with habit is doing something sixty six days in a row. Um, that's, it's a lot of time you're talking about over two months. And the problem is, is you stop doing it for two days or more. It's easy for that to get broken. Yep. And so, but the habits that you have, like I, I alluded to the morning routines earlier, the things that you do on a daily basis, um, you start to do it over and over again. And these are the things that motivate you and weaponize you for the day. They prime you to take on everything giving yourself the me time. And so the thing with habits is not only to get used to doing things and you free up your mind for growth and expansion because the habits start to become so automatic, but it's also a way of honoring yourself. It's a way of valuing yourself because those habits that you do at the start of the day, that morning routine, that's your me time. That's the time where you're pouring into you. And, th and this is what people miss the boat on sometimes is you know they, they don't realize that you're supposed to pour into you and the king right. is supposed to eat first. And you need to fill your cup before anybody else's, you know, 
I mean, it's basic laws of science. You can't pour from an empty cup. So you've right. got to fill your cup and invest in yourself so that you can be better for everybody else. It's not selfish. It's actually to the contrary, not giving the world the best version of yourself. That's selfish. Right. So you need to take that time in the morning and that's a way of valuing yourself. And lo and behold, basic rules of cognitive dissonance is basically our behaviors and our thoughts or attitudes have to be congruent with each other. So if our behavior is I'm doing something that's honoring me, after a while, that belief is going to adjust. And I'm going to think, well, I'm doing this for myself. I'm honoring myself. I believe in myself. I like myself. I value me. Right. Because I put me first. And I think that's that's something a lot of people don't do. They don't they don't take the time to invest in themselves because they're not valuing themselves. But if you do this long enough, you'll realize that I'm valuing me and my needs are just as important as anybody else's. Right. And I'm, I'm going to do that. So I, I think that's an important piece of the puzzle is the habits. I mean, you have to have good communication skills and you have to be able to set boundaries with people. Yes. Um, you have to be able to say no. You have, you know, people are going to ask you all the time to do things that you don't want to do. Or that's not going to be beneficial for you. And I know for me, one of the, one of the big insights I came to, you know, especially a couple of years ago and all along, I kind of knew was I was a people pleaser. I didn't like conflict. I didn't want people to get pissed off at me. I wanted to be the nice guy and the guy that everybody loved. And, you know, John's a good guy and he's a nice guy and he's the girl you can take home to mom and dad and everything else. And, <laughs> you know, he's not going to rock the boat. Everybody loves John. Doesn't serve you well. You know, you, you put yourself out there, you do favors for people. I would sometimes, you know, I would spend money. I didn't have trying to impress people that didn't give a fuck about me, you know, going broke, trying to, you know, impress people that didn't give a shit otherwise. Right. And, um, yeah. And, and then just, you know, even in my, you know, you know, when I, when I first got married back in my late twenties and my thirties, you know, that whole marriage, you know, that was, that was a disaster as well, because I was always trying to people please. I was always being passive. I was just trying to keep the peace and I lost myself. I lost who I was yeah. and I wasn't being true to anything. I believed and have anything, didn't even have my own friends. And so you just, um, yeah, it, rough, rough, uh, rough situation when you don't set boundaries. Absolutely. And, um, <clears throat> and I couldn't agree more because I could just totally relate. Like that's you and I have that in common, right? Like I was such a people pleaser when I first got sober, let's say, right. And everything, I was a yes man to anything. Right. And then I would go home and go, why did I do that? I didn't want to do that. And then I'd get all pissed off and you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> God dang it. Yes, that's, you that's know the I, thing. That's <laughs> Yeah, because that that resentment is hard because it's it's a it's a two pronged resentment. It's the resentment towards the other people because damn it, they took advantage of me, they fucked me over, and so you're <laughs> mad at them and you're like, you bastards. And then you look in the mirror and you're like, why the hell didn't you do anything about it? Why didn't you say? Why didn't you set the boundary? Why don't you stand up? You know, why are you being a pussy? Yeah. And so then you're angry at yourself. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that anger turned inwards. That's depression. Depression is anger turned inward. I mean, that, you know, that's the clinician. We come back out. That's depression. And so you get depressed because you're not standing up for yourself. And so when you're being the people pleaser and you're being passive and you're deferring to everybody else, you know, that's, that's a recipe for getting depressed. Right. And one thing I have learned 
um it's probably in the last six years right like in, in this personal development and not only like staying active in my recovery but like adding to it right becoming a uh a better version of myself a more elite version of myself right because all i knew is recovery right what i learned in in the rooms of aa and mm-hmm. right and then you know i slowly started to learn that there's more that i can become right because even i was such a yes man right and then especially because even in sobriety i lived out of guilt and some shame right so if somebody that i had affected with my addiction right even though i'm sober would use that against me i'd be i'd fold right like like a card like a house just fold and just crumble right and be okay i'll do it whatever you want and then do that whole cycle like f them you know and and then f you max for giving in you dumb shit, you know and then getting mad at myself but um i learned you know that no is a complete sentence now like i don't have mm-hmm. to explain myself and right yes. See, yes. i hey i hang out with guys on the back on that one yep right yeah, I, I i hang out and i learn from guys like doc john and i learned to stand up for myself and then i learned that taking time like you just said for myself which is usually in the morning that's when i charge up for the day right i do my prayer mm-hmm. my meditation or my workout or whatever it's almost like that plain analogy right i have to take the oxygen first if i'm going to help my say my wife next to me right because if i don't i'm not going to get no air i'm going to pass it out anyway i'm not going to be able to help her and everybody dies and then everybody dies right <clears throat> but i'm so glad you brought that up because right there's nothing wrong with healthy boundaries um it we're never too old to start learning new things right to change our lives and to better ourselves um yes right and what i want to give out to my audience is there's people out there that will help you do that and, and you know what i've yeah. had to find the guys that would just tell me to shut up sometimes and listen and just go do the work and then see how it works first before i came back and you know because i used to be it's not gonna work for me well how do you know if you don't do it you know and um and this is how i learned um i know you wrote a couple books uh doc john can you talk about this one so far <laughs> oh i thought you wrote two sorry my bad one book yeah talk about the book so uh, far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so far right we are going to write other books but yes talk about uh, your yeah. book and what that's about doc john uh well fuck sunday was uh i mean that that was something i i wrote honestly that was for me because uh that was one of the things that i said i was gonna do someday was write a book i was gonna write a book i was gonna start a podcast and then i just kept putting it off putting it off putting it off and then 2019 when i went into that personal renaissance and was like okay well this stuff is happening now like uh, everything i said i was gonna do i'm not gonna put it off this needs to happen and so i started out just dictating ideas about you know you know my my best lessons from life and you know the first first part of it were were the things i went through the trials the pitfalls my mistakes you know and then somehow I overcame them. The second half is more different areas of life where you can improve, you know, how to cope with certain situations and um, different minds of things. It's more of a reference going forward. Um, but it, it was something that I, I always wanted to do. And I started out just dictating it into the notes section on the iPhone. And I would just be walking around. And of course, because psychology is everywhere, it would trigger something. If you ever watched the show House, he'd be, you know, working on a diagnosis and then, you know, he'd be clueless and couldn't figure it out and then he would see something randomly and it would just trigger that aha moment in his head and then he'd run off and go run a test and you know 
lo and behold, he'd have his diagnosis. Yeah. You know, I would have these aha moments. I'd see something. I was like, that needs to go in the book. And I'd take out my phone and I'd do voice text and I would dictate it in my phone. First two thirds of the book was dictated on the yellow section. I was like, oh, I better put this on a Word document now and start, you know, and switch this over. And then I was on a 75 hard phase where it was a critical, you know, critical task for, you know, in, in November of 2019. And probably that last 30 days, I, I cranked out the last third of the book because it was just one of those things where, you know, it was the goal. It was, it was a non-negotiable goal for that, those 30 days. And so by the last week, I was like, okay, well, it's written. And, you know, th those, the amount of time I was going to spend on it was just on, on editing. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was part of my own growth and journey. And it was something that I, you know, I wanted to share with other people because, you know, I've been through difficult things. I know what it's like to not have confidence. I know what it's like to go through divorce. I know what it's like to have bank, you know, go through bankruptcy. And, um, you know, I, I know what it's like to be someone that, uh, you know, was probably, you know, had a little bit too much of a weakness with women and so to speak, and, you know, got into maybe womanizing a little more than I should have. And, uh, yeah, that I, it was all those things and it was just a chance to tell my truth and, um, get it out there. And so, and once, once you tell the truth about things, it's, it's amazing because those things don't have power over you anymore. Right. You know, the, the secrets, you know, the past secrets, the traumas and everything else, all the shit that you avoid, you know, it'll haunt you forever. But when you tell the story, you get it out there it can't control you i agree 100 <clears throat> percent. right that was kind of like my story in my four step right when i finally got rid of those secrets and and told another man and and, and just said okay here god it's all yours i'm done um one of the most freeing things i ever did right and and like you writing that book you know i that was the biggest procrastinator too on that thing but i finally got it done and right oh. And and it's it's a, amazing what happens when you just even if it's a little bit every day, right? Taking some action every day, how you feel at the end of the day, because then you can look back yeah. on your day, right? It's almost like what that and that, uh, that Navy Admiral, that SEAL, where here he says, if you start, even if you start your day off with the first thing you the do bed. is make your bed, you have yes, accomplished sir. your first goal of the day, and how, and that's not a negative. It's actually that's a power booster, what I call it, right? Mm -hmm. It boosts your ego because you've accomplished your first uh, goal, it boosts your self-esteem. And, and then it just gives you that strength to go, okay, I got that done, right? And, yeah. and my wife will tell you that um, I'm OCD about the bed, right? So that's one thing I do every day. <laughs> Once after I have my little morning ritual, I get her up for work and she's she'll come out of the shower, bed's made. She's like, God, you're quick what i learned in the navy right but it makes me feel good when i go in the room and i see that i've already accomplished my first goal today you know and you've kept promises to yourself too and i think that's the valuable thing too we feel good because we kept that promise to ourselves absolutely you know, we valued ourselves enough to keep that promise you know we felt like we deserved it enough to to actually follow through and i mean and, you know and again back to the book as well i mean the other powerful thing for that me was that it was I didn't have to pretend I, the, for the longest time I felt like because of what I did for a living as a psychologist, I had to be 10 feet tall and bulletproof and act like I it was all calm, cool and collected all the time. And I had all the answers and my life was perfect. And I had no cracks in the armor, you know, and that year, you know, it's one of those things where when you're suffocating long enough and you realize something's got to change and, you know, it was still where it's like, okay, I don't care who knows at this point, like, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. My life isn't perfect. I got to do some things differently. Right. And, you know, the things that I don't like about myself, I'm tired of apologizing for them or trying to cover them up. You know, you try to cover anything up. I mean, you're wearing a mask that everything's good and everything's great. It's fucking exhausting. 
(laughs) Isn't it? It gets tiring being like that, huh? But that's why, you know, I, I don't know what your thoughts, but after reading the book and even listening to audible, then I understood the the power of vulnerability by Dr. Brene Brown. Right. I read that and it was like, it's okay to be not okay sometimes. Right. Cause you and I, well, especially as men, we're, we're taught not to show that there's any weakness, right? We suck it up, right? Buck up Chuck and go at it. Right. Don't show any weakness, especially with the generation that I grew my parents and stuff, right? Like they're in, they're that old school generation, right? Like guys didn't talk about their feelings. You didn't talk about anything that made you look weak, right? You just yeah. you just didn't. Um, you didn't and, cry. You didn't come home. You didn't dare come home if you lost the fight. <laughs> right. And but then that's when I think about I think about my father's side of the family, right? And all of them pretty much died young, except one uncle. Right. Most of them died of heart disease and stuff like that. But I think it it was more than just poor diet. Right. I think it's because they weren't taught to share what was going on with them. Right. Because as you and as I, right, we know we hold that stuff in. That's that's affecting us. Right. It's, of course, you know, physically, mentally. um, And we that's a whole other conversation. We, you and I could probably be here for (laughs) hours talking about that stuff. But, I mean, it's even empirically validated. I mean, the tests they've done, the studies they've done with the, like the type A personalities and part of being a type A personality is having anger and hostility. And so, you know, if you got anger and hostility and you don't have the right outlets for that and you're acting inwards, you know, that's that's killing your heart. And they, you know, they found that that anger and hostility component was directly related to heart disease. And so, yeah, when you don't have the outlet, when you can't, ex- you know, when you've got these emotions that are weighing on you, you've got sadness and depression and anxiety and you're supposed to just buck it up buck up and act like it's okay it's it's not okay because if you don't if it doesn't act out it's going to act inward and it's going to take a toll on your body and Absolutely. it's going to take a toll on your adrenals and you know, your body's going to be pumping out the negative hormones and everything else and not to mention what it's going to do to the habits that are going to be self-destructive when you're drinking too much eating too much um drugging too much whatever it might be um you know all, all the self-destructive habits that are happening because you can't express it so you're you're trying to cope and escape you know other means absolutely all those other things become a form of avoidance for us in an escape and so uh, it it can really take a toll big time on your physical health oh yeah and i as you know because i talked to the reason why women live seven years longer than men (laughs) exactly right and that's exactly because you and i talked about that when we were on your show now that i i see what it was for me right and i didn't get that for a long time that anger director directed inward no wonder I was depressed and self-medicating because I didn't have any way to talk about it or get it out or have anybody, right? Because I was told I don't talk about it. Um, right. Right. So I want to ask you a couple questions, right? As as we near the end here, been a great conversation, Doc John, and we could go forever. And Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I want to ask you um, in your you know time as a psychologist as a husband as a father and stuff like that right you see i wrote a book called fearless happiness so what does fearless mean to you doc and how does that show up in your life on a daily basis fearless means that you're that that you're going forward and you're regardless of what the barrier is and um 
it could be you know it can be scary to you it can seem daunting to you but for me it's 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 doing it anyway even when it scares you yeah. and because something that's thing you should be doing things that scare you you know it, you know the, the old saying goes if it doesn't scare you it's not big enough the goal's not big enough it's not powerful enough and so the things should scare you but you know for me fearless is going through and doing it anyway and and falling through and taking it on and not letting it deter you because you know that on the other side of that on the other side of that fear on the other side of what scares you whatever maybe that suffering that's you know coming your way you know on the other side of that it's going to be a big reward and i don't know for me it's just the the cost of not doing it and the cost of not confronting that fear is always worse than anything that could be waiting on the other side of confronting it because at, right. at least if you're if you're going after it you're you don't have any regrets you're not looking back and what you know, saying what if if i had you know grown a parent and done it right and so um if you, if you don't take action you're always going to wonder and like i said you're, you're gonna be mad that you didn't keep that promise to yourself and and you're going to resent yourself for not Absolutely. taking action when the opportunity was there when you got you know sometimes it's a matter of just walking through the door right you know, and then you don't have to live with that regret as like oh i should have yeah. did that back yeah. in 19, I mean, you know sure i mean the guys that they're you know you're working with gentlemen and you know with with clients that are in recovery and it's scary as fuck for those guys to walk through that door and get help yeah you know it's very difficult for them to to let go and acknowledge that there's a problem and to say those three critical words which are the most three the three most important words that you can say is i need help yeah. and so it's super super fearful but um you know it, a lot of the people who might have had the chance and had the opportunity to get help that didn't take advantage of it you know they end up kicking themselves later and regretting it you know and i couldn't agree more that was my most important words were i have a problem it took me a while to go ask for the help but when i recognized i had a problem then things started to change for me but i was mm -hmm. stubborn right oh that was just bad luck right i happened to be at the bad at the bad place at the wrong time and but when yep. the magic words when i admitted to myself you're right where i have a problem then the mm -hmm. solution started to show up for me so i love that so and then that's, that's when that's the piece yep that that's that's the killer part as well you know that's another part of my six pillars is the ownership because you know you, you mentioned bad luck you know bad luck is you're attributing everything in your life to external factors good or bad and the problem is when you do that you know it's a great way to diffuse responsibility and to take the onus off of you but when you're doing that you're saying that everything in your life is outside of your control it's factors outside of you and when you own things and you say yeah that's on me i have a problem everything that happened was my fault and you hear me say this all the time i was a common denominator in all of those situations that didn't go well when you take ownership of that does it hurt at first yes it's it's a it's a painful reality check but then you realize that you caused those situations and if i can cause those situations to turn out shitty i can cause them to turn out well as well you know in addition and I, I can impact things better too and that puts the ball in my court that gives me the internal locus of control that makes me my own agent of change there you go i love it next question happiness as you see i could put a y or i did put a y in there and a lot of people think i spelled it wrong but there's a reason i did it what does happiness mean to you knowing i put that y there how does that show up in your life every day doc i think happiness for me is 
being able to have the impact on the world that uh, that you that you set out to do and you know i've always told my clients the quickest you know you want to have immediate happiness in your life go serve somebody else go somebody go help somebody else that is the number one you know you can fight me on this if you want to but that is the number one way that you can that you can be happy in this world is go be of service to someone else and help yeah. somebody else and so i think you know i mean that, that gets into a whole existential discussion i mean you know people get to the end of their lives and they look back and they wonder you know what is the impact and the imprint that i made on this world right and so you know at the end of the day if i can be like you said if you if, the end of the day, if you're proud of what you did and is that you know at the end of your life if you can be you know or even at this point in your life you can look, look back and say you know what i helped a lot of people and i impacted the lives of a lot of people and the world is a better place because i've been in it right that's happiness for me absolutely and i couldn't agree more right and that's what my mentors have taught me they always told me if you're having a shitty day max go help someone and if it's still mm -hmm. shitty go help somebody else and if you still think mm -hmm. it's shitty help somebody else and he goes you do that long enough you'll realize by at the end of that that your life is pretty damn good yep and lo and behold it was like a parent right you go god i hate when they're right right but mm -hmm. that's what i try to do now right that's that's the legacy i want to leave right how much value did i bring to the world and did i truly try to help my fellow man when i had the opportunities to right i want my right. kids to remember that i want my grandkids my great grandkids um it's just something from hanging out with guys like you that i was taught right like if, when all else fails go be helpful to someone go put your hand out right go just sometimes a smile and a hello goes a long way because you don't know what that person's going through and that's you know you might save their life just by doing that people don't realize that absolutely you know, actually taking an interest in somebody for like literally seconds you know ask how they're doing or have a conversation and you know acting you know and showing that you care when they don't feel like anybody in this world cares for them and that person you don't know i mean you hear stories that you know someone who gave somebody the time of day you know and that changed them their mindset kept them from going home they they might have been going home planning to kill themselves that day absolutely. you don't know absolutely and because you, don't you took know. the time to stop and say hello to them ask them how they were doing and you know decide to have coffee with them or take 10 minutes to you know to actually truly listen to them and show interest in them when you know because oftentimes you know people you know they they hear somebody giving the not so socially acceptable answer you know most people say oh how are you doing i'm fine you know and the person that says they're not fine you know a lot of people run be like oh that sucks i'm sorry and they run away but if you actually take interest in that person and, and help them you know you'd be surprised and exactly. you, you can you can change the trajectory of a person's life i mean the old saying goes i mean in the world you might seem like one person but to one person you may be the world that's right a little bit of uh, compassion and kindness goes a long way man i'm telling you 100 awesome it's all going to come back to you tenfold twentyfold hundredfold absolutely so doc if, if someone wants to work with you how do they get a hold of you well actually just got a new website set up uh it's at um actually love getting messages dms on instagram and facebook facebook i'm on facebook as doc john and on instagram at the underscore doc underscore john um but yeah those are the three three different ways that you can find me and uh be able to connect with me and uh i love to help folks i love you know 
if anybody's interested in hey, I do one-on-one coaching, I'm going to be putting out some courses soon. We've got the amazing men's retreat that's coming up May 18th to 21st in Tampa, Florida. And uh, it's going to be a really great immersive experience. It's going to be transformational and a really ch- chance to you know come in, get raw, get real, have some radical honesty, all four areas of your life, you know, with your business, your relationships, your mindset, your body, and uh, to really get clear on what it is that you want. And, you know, we're going to have coaches that specialize in these areas. And, um, and, you know, it's a chance to really get dirty, rip off the Band-Aid, and uh, leave there with a blueprint going forward. And it's not just going to be a one and done thing because, you know, we finish this, everybody who does this event, this is going to be a brotherhood and we're going to be all sticking together and having, keeping in touch and keeping each other accountable. Because as you well know, when you go to one of these events, you leave here all, you know, as my grandfather say, full of piss and vinegar and ready to take on the world. <laughs> right. But uh, the rest of the world isn't always as excited about your new mindset and your new goals as you are. They right. liked you the way you were when you weren't motivated, when you were passive and, you know, it was convenient for them and your new way of being might not be convenient for them. So they might not be as stoked about it as you are. So you're, you're going to be with a bunch of guys who are as stoked about it as you are and they're going to hold you accountable and they're going to be like, uh, okay, well, you said you were going to do this and this was your goal. All right. You didn't do it. Why not? How can we help you stay on that goal? Stay on that right. path. Right. And so, um, so you get, you know, we got the retreat coming. Uh, also going to have some group coaching going on with uh, with, with uh, weekly meetings as well. You know, for for folks that don't want to make the jump to one on one coaching or the retreat, we'll be doing some uh, some group coaching as well. So, uh, a couple different levels of coaching, and um, yeah, just definitely, I want to make sure I can help as many people as I can. And um, you know, some people have the financial means, some don't, but uh, I have something for everybody. Uh, you know, to fit everybody's budget because I, you know, I want, I want to be able to help anybody and everybody. I, there were people that helped me when I was at my lowest people that were willing to take time with me and uh, to reach out and to, you know, share experiences and share knowledge with me when, you know, when I was down and out and I want to do the same thing, it's time to, uh, to give back and pay that forward. Awesome. This is that everybody. This is a man. This is a gentleman who walks the walk and talks the talk. So if you have a chance to hit up that, uh, for you men out there, the retreat, I guarantee you won't regret it. Uh, Doc John is an amazing human being who does really try to help as many people as he can. Um, so you're not off the hook completely. So before we go, I want to ask you one more question, sir. And that is, what is the one piece of advice you could give my audience? that will help them grow as a human being and become a better version of themselves. Take action. Have a bias toward action. You can have the, you know, and let me preface that and say imperfect action because you can have the best laid plan in your head, but if you don't execute it and if you don't do anything with it, then it is of no use to anyone. It doesn't have to be perfect. There is no perfect set of circumstances. There's no perfect time. There's no perfect anything. And a lot of times people say, well, once X, Y, and Z happens, that would be it. This and this, that would be it. There is no it. You know, you have everything you need right now to get to where you want to be. You know, you don't have to wait until that ideal time or until you've gotten to this level of growth or this level of this, you have what you need right now. And 
You can build what you need on your own. You can cultivate what you need on your own. Psychotherapy, you know, one of my old supervisors used to talk about psychotherapy being like the Wizard of Oz. You know, people go to the, the wizard, they go to the therapist and they say, oh, well, I want this, you know, like in the Wizard of Oz, they wanted the trip home, they wanted a heart, they wanted a brain, they wanted courage. And they're expecting, they go down the Elbert Road and the therapist, you, you know, this wizard's going to snap your fingers and you're going to get all these things. Right. And people think therapy's like that too. You know, they're going to go see Dr. Phil and, you know, he's going to say, oh, well, this, this and this happened, you just need to do this and you're healed and one session in and out, you're, you're on your way. And it doesn't work that way. You know, you, you got to go on the journey, you got to do the work. You know, you got to go out and take on go the journey where you confront the uh, the witches and the flying monkeys and everything else, and you, you got to go on the journeys and you got to cultivate it yourself. And so it's the same thing with therapy and with anything else that you want to do. You have to take the actions, and the actions are going to what's going to build the confidence, that's going to build the grit, that's going to build the mental toughness, and uh, that that unconditional positive regard that you know that the Rogerian therapist gives you. You're going to give that to yourself. Right. <laughs> exactly. I love it. The bias, bias toward action, 100%. I, I promise you that my imperfect action is going to trump your best laid plan in your head every fucking time. Right. That's why um, I love it when they say, right, like hard work beats talent every time. 100%. Right. Right. Because there's oh, guys uh, out there. Absolutely. And um, absolutely. And I've seen that, right? Whether it's in the jujitsu mat or in football or whatever I've played, right? The guys that work the hardest are are the starters and usually do well yep. compared to the you could be the best dude you think you are, but if you don't do the work, doesn't matter. Yeah. So the, thank the you for yeah. yeah, the people that are the top performers, you know, one one last thought. The people that are the top performers, the people that have what you want, that are performing at the level and doing the thing that you want to do, they're not smarter than you, they're not more talented than you. They just worked harder and they were more importantly consistent. They did the small things, the things, small things, boring things that nobody wanted to do. And they did them consistently enough. They blended the simplicity with the consistency yep. and they did it long enough so they could stick around and collect on their investment. There you go. Do you hear that everybody? So biased towards action. I love it. Yes. Thank you, sir, for, for being such an amazing guest. I love it. My pleasure. This was a blast. And uh, I, I knew we were going to bring the fire again because when you were on my show, you, you brought it, you brought the heat. And uh, I knew I had to uh, make sure I brought my game and uh, had to return the favor, man. So you did. Then some. So thank you so much. So everybody, if you if you like what you heard, if Doc John made you think, if he made you go, hmm, if he made you smile, any of that, right? Please leave a five star review so people can find the podcast over on iTunes. Um, mm -hmm. And that way, a lot more people can come and find the show. Again, Doc John, thank you for being such an amazing guest. I can't wait. Probably going to have you on again because I want to hear how your uh, uh, mastermind went or the the retreat. Um, oh, yes. yes. And, and stuff like that. So you heard it, everybody. You can read uh, reach him on Instagram, Facebook. He's got a new website, Doc John. Dot John phone sites dot phone sites com. Yep. Um, so he's an amazing man. Um, I've gotten to know him even better recently. So everybody have a, a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening, like I say, wherever you're at in the world. And until next time, I will see you guys later. Have a good one. Yeah.
You've been listening to Fearless Happiness. The numbers on addiction are absolutely stunning. Max lived in addiction for years and during that time made some terrible choices, losing his family, friends, and career. But he turned his life around and now Max works as a substance abuse counselor helping people in their recovery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hit the website at maxnaced.com on Facebook at max.naced. Till next time, keep the fight and we'll see you soon.